comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Who are you? I'm Mike Downs. I'm the host of the Atomic Geeks tonight, and we're talking Batman. Uh, before we get into that, uh, I'm podcasting live from the laundry room in Newmarket for one of the final times. I'm drinking Sleeman OD Original Draft. Let's see what boy wonders are on the podcast with me. Well, hello, Batman. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London in my underground lair. Uh, I am drinking a giant bottle of Muskoka Summer Vice. Uh, it's vintage 2011, so you know it's got to be good. Some of ice, some of ice. Oh, hello, Internet. It's Commissioner Nielsen standing on top of police headquarters, wondering where the fuck Batman is. And while I wait for that freaky, sneaky asshole, I'm drinking a cold bottle of Keystone Lager. Yes, Keystone Lager again, because it's cheap and it's tasty. I didn't realize that we were singing now. Hey, 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 it's Batmite D. Giovanni, and I'm in Toronto, and I'm crime-fighting and podcasting under the influence because I'm drinking a Hockley Dark because I'm a Dark Knight. Oh, see what he did there, folks? Um, that's well. That's a couple of repeats. Keystone for sure. Hockley Dark is one of your, uh, you know, Regulars, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sleeman OD for me. What were you drinking again, Bloom? Something new for you, I guess, is only the real thing. Summer Yes, Summer Vice. Actually, Dejo brought this down when he came to visit last time, and it's one of those huge bottles with, like, the Grolsch tops. Was it, like, a month ago? Is it what? Was it, like, a month ago? No, no, he he brought it down and I tasted it then, and then I bought one, Christian. Oh, I beg your pardon. I thought and I was like, here, here it, try this beer, and it's like, I'll wait a month before I try it. Out. And it was on, it wasn't on sale, so I mean, well, maybe it was. Yes, Christian but, maybe will never try it. Yeah, wouldn't have got his attention at all. Well, you could give it to me as a gift, and I could try it. But it's in a, it's in a, a seven hundred and fifty milliliter bottle. Mm, there those you go. Who, Sounds like the, the perfect States, size gift. Big. <laughs> The gift that keeps on giving. That's right. Right <laughs> down to the bottom. Hey, give me another one. <laughs> <laughs> a huge bottle of beer. Okay, so uh, before we get into our bad horrific topic, why don't we talk about some... Geek news. Geek news. So uh, I think, Mr. Giovanni, do you have a bit of geek news for us? That is correct, Mr. Downs. Uh, you know, after it's long been gestating after the uh, prequels of the Star Wars came out, that a star a TV series was on deck. Well, news kind of went quiet shortly after that, after uh, Star Wars started to really focus its efforts on cartoons. And, well, now Rick McCollum, who is uh, Lucas's longtime producer, recently uh, has come out and given an update. Uh, he did this with Entertainment Weekly about where that TV series is. Uh, what he did mention was that it is going to be a hundred episodes, the series. I think that was already said before. It's going to take place between part three and four, which I think everyone already knew about. But what he did mention is that 50 of the scripts are done. So they have 50 scripts sitting uh, basically in a bank. Uh, and he said the problem is the way it looks now with the amount of CGI that is involved in this, it would be unproducible in this day and age in, uh, in television because 
given at the cost that it is to produce these for film, it'd be like making a movie every week. So they feel they need, or Lucas feels, he needs to wait three or four years uh, in order for technology to change, and it's a little bit more economical. But probably the biggest news that came out of this is where McCullum gave a description of what the series is going to be like, and I'm going to bastardize and quote him here, that he said it's very similar to The Godfather. That's right. He even made some comparisons <laughs> to Sopranos in that this is about the Empire creating their position of power across the universe, and it will focus on a number of bo- mob bosses on Coruscant as they be- they do drugs and prostitution. So is the Star Wars universe ready is the Star Wars universe ready to sell out? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it uh, it's definitely interesting to me. It reminds me of uh, those book series. I got a quote from you know I've got to say this for Mister Dury, who our regular uh, Atomic Geek guest, who always mentions the expanded universe. There was a couple books called uh, Tales from Jabba's Palace and all that. Uh, this feels like it's in that territory. If it's handled smartly, it could be kind of cool, but I'm not sure this is what everyone was expecting. Wait, there's, so there's like a, like an adult novel based on Jabba's Palace? You've not, I, we've talked about this on the show before. They did uh, Tales from Mos Eisley and Tales from Jabba's Palace. It's a, it's a book, and it, they look at they take the uh, those scenes in the film. And they expand on characters that were in the background and give their stories. So they're pretty good books. But it, that it kind of reminds me that sort of narrative where they're going here. I don't know. Could be interesting. I just don't know if Lucas can pull off The Sopranos. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, when I hear this news, I, I think one thing. That whole – the fact that they say – They've got 50 store, uh, uh, scripts written, but we have to wait for the technology. I think bullshit right off the bat. I think that's a total cop out that they're just saying they have to wait to do technology. I get that it would take, it would be like making a movie every episode. That's been done with shows like Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and they've made fucking money. You know what I mean? Like, but what, what more are they going to do than that? I don't, you know what I mean? I, and so I, I don't, I don't fucking believe that at all. Um, and then I think all this stuff here about, I don't know, about all that bullshit about the mob, it, it could turn out being good, but it's not, not what I was expecting, to your point, Mike. I don't know. If that is true, that they've got some writing crew friggin' belt out 50 fucking scripts, you know, for this whole TV series to bank on the Star Wars franchise, they must be the dumbest fucking people running that fucking company nowadays anyway. Why would they write 50 scripts that they couldn't start producing at least somewhat right away? If, yeah, that sounds terrible. It's, like, when it's I think the, of the, the fact that they say a script, it must be just 50 ideas on paper. Yeah, yeah, like, like um, you know, story synopsises maybe, you know what I mean? They thought up 50 ideas. Because, no. you, like, you think 50, no, no, I'm sure he's saying it's full scripts, DJ, but I think they're, that's, he's, they're fudging the truth there a bit, you know what I mean? Like, they're, uh, 50 episodes is like four fucking seasons of television. It, it is. They, according to the story, McCollum says third draft scripts. So really oh. ready to shoot scripts, according to that. Okay. They're not going to be able to for a couple of years. No, Good. yeah. And you know what? I think I think that's bullshit because I'll, I'll, I'll make a bet right now because I'll bet you the Star Wars TV show, whatever it comes out as, is not going to come out as what they're saying it is right now. I'll, I'll bet you $50. Well, if they're going to wait for three or four years, that shit's going to evolve. 
But, Downs, I will say, uh, in uh, comparison to your Star Trek and Stargate and BSG and all of that, I do agree. Those shows uh, were very, very well produced. But Lucas, if he's going to do TV, this is going to be at a completely different level. I mean, forget about all of your uh, critiques and slams and things you dislike about Lucas now. It will be produced out the ass. I, this There will not, because really. <laughs> That's where what he you, got the scripts, too. Well, let's wait and see. But the, uh, Coruscant is uh, obviously going to be one of the main settings. That's all going to have to be fully CGI'd. I mean, a bit like the movies. There's going to be aliens, droids, all like that. It's going to be an extremely expensive show. I mean, I, the three to four years seems a little ridiculous to me, but I, I can understand that, that maybe once they kind of got into it, that they kind of they, they thought... Maybe technology isn't where it needs to be for us to do this yet, but it does. Then why would you have commissioned writers to, you know, done a third draft on some of these scripts? Dumb. But yeah. I mean, but, but I mean, besides all that, like no, no offense. The idea of mob mob wars in space it sounds pretty darn appealing, but the very fact that it's coming out of the ass of the Star Wars franchise seems like a whole friggin' 180 degree turn for what the entire franchise was kind of built on, which was somewhat not family entertainment, but still family friendly. Yeah, no, agreed. Like, this seems a total 180 degrees of everything. I mean, we talk about George Lucas. Someone said George Lucas selling out. George Lucas sold out 20 years ago when he made Empire Strike, or uh, Return of the Jedi, you know what I mean, and the Ewok fucking invasion. So, you know, that's already been done. Uh, I, I would I would find it very weird for them to all of a sudden to go, I, it, it might be great, but I, it seems very out of Star Wars uh, production character to go off in, like, an R-rated direction. Well, it does seem, uh, it speaks to these confused identities to start to star wars because uh, christian you're totally right it started off as family fun what they're describing here sounds like the wire you know it just so but when you want to expand on star wars i mean they've already done it with the clone wars and all that where else can you can you fit a tv series logically it has to be between three and four and that's the real Bad time. That's when Vader is mowing out and killing everybody, and the Empire is creating a foothold in the Empire. So uh, across the universe. So it's not going to be wacky stories about an R two unit and a fucking gay golden robot, uh, you know, walking around and getting into adventures. Maybe they'll uh, use the gay robot for prostitution. I was just going to say there could be all kinds of gay golden robots. Well, I, I would totally be interested in seeing a, a Jedi whacked out on space heroin. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, could there be some cool shit? Yeah, but I, this just—I mean, it doesn't sound like anything that we've ever seen at all, ever. Not even like expanded universe, hardly even. I mean, there's that some stuff, but this is pretty out yeah. there. Sounds like something that the kids would spread rumors about when you're in public school. Like, you know, when they went and saw Empire Strikes Back and they came back and they'd be like, oh, my God, you got to see this. And then they would speculate really stupid things. That's what I, this sounds like. I like to see kids going to the store buying their action figure Jantar, the strung out Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, wait till the whole, uh, you know, whores line that they're going to have to yeah. put out. Whores of the Hut, collector's edition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, to me, it sounds cool, but I'm going to, Andrew, I completely understand what you're saying. It sounds a little fan fiction. At this point, yeah. it sounds yeah. like someone's kind of going, wouldn't it be cool if they did uh, Star Wars mob bosses and all that? But I don't know. I, I To me, it has potential, but it just 
it doesn't feel like Star Wars or doesn't sound like Star Wars. No, it puts a whole new meaning on the term Space Needle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And dun, 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 dun. All right, so let's move on to our topic um, tonight, which is uh, Batman. And um, I'll tell you uh, how this happened for me. I'll tell you about a story about how this happened for me. And it's funny because someone else has just uh, was thinking the same thing and wrote an article about it. But so let me – what happened was I was uh, down at the local uh, smut peddler, i.e., uh, you know, DVD store, um, you know, and first of all, I wanted to say is this is HMV in Canada, and I thought it was so funny how um, these guys now at the store they actually offer you when you're checking out, they're showing you all these other DVD packages and like headphones and stuff that are all these great deals. That's how desperate this fucking movie store chain is because of the fucking changing internet now. It just shows how you know a once giant, a once fucking media giant is now almost gone, a la Blockbuster in the states as well. But so I was there and I was uh, pick, I was looking for a movie for the wife and. Um, they have these like uh, two, four, twenty dollar, uh, you know, shelf, and so on that shelf there was the movie my wife won, which was the commitments, and it was like two movies in one. It also had the full Monty on it. Okay, so for ten dollars I got the full Monty commitments for her, and I was looking around looking for another DVD to grab for the other part of the deal, right? The other ten dollars, and I got. All four fucking Batman movies, the original, the first four Batman movies, you know, from the Michael Keaton, for that $10. So for $20, I got six movies, and four of them were the fucking Batman movies. And I thought, holy shit, for $5 a movie, these movies can't be that bad. Maybe I should watch them again. So that kind of is, is how this came up. And, and the other thing is, you know, I also looked at these movies in a different light now that I'm, a, uh, I'm an older guy. I'm watching them with my children. And so, you know, I just thought that maybe some of the things I thought about these movies back when they first came out may not necessarily be true now. And maybe some of the ones I thought were good maybe aren't as good. And one of the, some of the ones I thought were bad might not be so bad. That was a long-winded introduction, but I hope that made everything clear. Okay, any questions about that, guys, on Batman at all, or any thoughts on the topic before we get started, because I've been talking for a bit? We're just talking about the first four, though, right? Right. So, yeah, great question, uh, Christian. You know, uh, not including the Adam West Batman film, and not including, you know, the post-Christian Bale films either, okay? Yes. 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 <laughs> Thank you for participating in the conversation. So, uh, funny enough, CT from Nerd Lunch also happened to, I guess, just picked up all four of these. I guess there's a box at a Blu-ray at the same time that just came out. So, uh, CT just happened to, uh, write an article about this as well. And funny enough, CT, uh, thinks a lot of similar things that I do as well. So, uh, if, when you're checking out this podcast, I definitely, uh, suggest you go to nerdlunch.com and check out CT's article on, uh, Batman, the Batman kind of group of films as well. Uh, you have better luck going to nerdlunch.net, but okay. uh, I saw that article uh, as well, and I've, I think I'm pretty sure I've read it before, but for sp- the purposes of tonight's podcast, I did not read it, because I, I found myself doing research for this topic as well. I found myself uh, kind of a realization of the whole entire series as a whole that I hadn't really thought about before. Okay, well, I mean, I, I was actually, I, most of my opinions were kind of formed, I guess, before I read the article. I wasn't too concerned about that because I guess it was my article or my idea for the show. But anyways. Okay, so what I wanted to do first was go around and talk about each movie and maybe just get your general uh, thoughts on it 
you know, and, and whatever that is. And so we'll probably, that'll probably cause some side conversations. And I have some other things I want to pick up, like best performances, talk about the Batmobile, uh, best Batman, best villains, stuff like that. But first, I just wanted to go around and ask you, uh, you know, generally on, okay, let's go about the first Batman film, Jack Nicholson, uh, Tim Burton directed, um, you know, Michael Keaton is Batman. Uh, what are your thoughts? We'll first go to Michael DiGiovanni. What, did, what is your general thoughts on that first film? I think that first film is really good. That uh, that that's my short answer. I I uh, and I think it's aged okay as far as if you were to go back and watch it of all of these maybe these four films. Uh I I hold the original Batman. I think it came out in was it 89 or 90? It's good yeah. lord. Uh I think that one still stands up and it's probably my second favorite Batman film of the entire series. Really? Wow. Wow. Oh. Mm. wow. Okay. So, okay. So, what about you, Bloom? You sound like you you don't necessarily well, agree. With no, that. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with what DJ was saying. I think that was a really good movie, and I liked it at the time. I imagine watching it now, the only thing that would stand out and date it would be the songs by Prince. That's true. Um, yes. And that, those ones might throw it off a little bit. I think Tim Burton did a pretty decent job. I like Michael Keaton as Batman. I remember how much I loved this movie uh, back in high school when it came out. And how excited I was and what a phenomenon it was uh, in itself. Whether or not it was a good movie even, it was a huge th- going on because of, of Batman. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely my favorite out of these four, uh, but not pr- probably my third favorite for the Batman movie. Okay. And what about you, Christian Nielsen? Uh, I, I, when, the, when the movie came out at the time, I was like, you know, 18 hours early in line to get tickets and all that shit. And I was, uh, you know, coming out as a, a, you know, 19-year-old at the time. Seeing that movie, I was, you know, pretty impressed. Although in retrospect now, I mean, I like the look of the movie, but there are definitely problems, big problems I have with the film as far as characters and story themes. Yeah, yeah, okay, so funny enough, so I'm probably more in the camp of, of you, Christian, um, and interestingly, you know, so, you know, going back to CT's article, he really, uh, beat this movie up a bit you know he was talking about jack nicholson kind of overshadowing the joker a little bit um and that you know in, at the end of the day this wasn't as good as a film as we all remembered so i thought that was interesting you know going back uh for me personally uh, this was this has always been my absolute favorite uh batman i think maybe even overall except for maybe i guess the most recent one um this was always i thought uh as i'm sure you guys would agree Never thought Michael Keaton could pull it off, yet when the movie came out, I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, I disagree. Oh, really? Okay. I, really? I, I hated him as as Bruce Wayne. I thought he did oh. not uh, it, he, he did not hmm. make uh, epitomize the character he didn't, at all. He wasn't the playboy enough. He was, no, he he was wasn't straight. A, he yeah. was just kind of sure. this odd, this odd little friggin' like uh, balding little little you know millionaire fuckhead. You know what I mean? And he did not come across as someone who could be Batman, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, great point. I wasn't, actually, I wasn't thinking about Bruce Wayne, the character. I, I didn't think he did a great job of that as well, especially when, you know, when he's in that, um, at the millionaire, uh, the party scene, you know, when, uh, and Vicky Vale and uh, Knox are in there, uh, and they're kind of like, you know, talking with him, and I thought, he he seemed kind of goofy there, I thought, as well. Yeah, he was more bumbling and aloof than than some kind of, like, uh, uh, snobby, kind of, like, rich boy, so to speak. Yeah, and in terms of who I think, you know, and not to get to talk about this, but, I mean, Christian Bale, I think, does a great job of Bruce Wayne, you know, of doing both characters comparatively, you know, whereas, you know, I don't know if any, any other guys in this series did as well, but... He, he definitely looked the part, and 
for me at the time, I'm, I'm going back in 89 when it came out, it was very cool to see the Batman costume the way it was. And I think I enjoyed Batman himself and seeing it in a serious light other than the Adam West Batman. But yeah, the Bruce Wayne, although at the time I didn't really think about it, but because I think we've seen better Bruce Wayne since then, that you look back and go, yeah, Michael Keaton was a terrible Bruce Wayne. Well, the thing is, you got to remember, Tim Burton approached this very differently. So yeah. he, he went at, uh, you know, really trying to get into the fact of what sort of man would actually dress up as a bat at night. It would be sort of an unexpected and a complex, uh, weird individual when you get down to it. And I think he, uh, using air quotes, kind of want to demure that in the casting. He wanted it to be unexpected. You know, so, uh, someone that maybe you wouldn't picture completely in that sort of role, uh, where it's, I don't think he wanted a leading man. Uh, I think that was all the sort of angle that Burton took out of. We try to compare it directly to our mind's eye of what, uh, some interpretations of Bruce Wayne are like. You're right. It's way off. The one thing that bothered me with uh, one of the major flaws with me was, when you'd see him as Bruce Wayne, you'd be like, that guy can't beat up anybody. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no fucking way. Yeah. But, but I, I saw the way they played him. They played him a little bit more eccentric, maybe sort of isolated a little yeah. bit. But you yeah. know what though? In retrospect now, when you hear about the stuff he wanted to do with fucking Superman 2 and Nicolas Cage, this is Tim Burton and it being some artsy fartsy fucking, you know, I'm different fuckhead. You know what I mean? That's why he picked friggin' Michael Keaton to be play Batman. But he yeah. wasn't a bad choice to direct Batman because Batman, depending on how you can interpret him, and he's, we've talked about this, that Batman can be interpreted many different ways. Mm-hmm. He is an outsider. He is sort of a strange person, a guy that, you know, lives by himself with his butler and dresses up as a creature of the night. It's that yeah. you could interpret that as sort of, this guy might have slight psychological problems, right? Well, it's funny because as much as everybody likes Batman, he's one of the most popular characters. He's very unrelatable. Uh, mo- most of us don't really know what it's like to, first of all, w- w- what creates uh, Batman with Bruce Wayne. But even that, like, he's strange. He dresses up. He's He doesn't talk to people. He's kind of a jerk. Like, all those things. He's not someone you can necessarily relate to, but you can definitely respect and think he's fucking awesome. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves down because Christian Bale does epitomize the Bruce Wayne and maybe other guys did it better uh, as Bruce Wayne, but I didn't hate Michael Keaton in this role. Yeah. Yeah. No, me either. And, and, and particularly I thought Batman, the character, the, the Batman side of the persona was done pretty well. Um, you know, the, the darkness of this one that you, know, you lost a little bit once the, you know, the thong and the nipples hit the costume. But, um, and I, you know, and that's, uh, to go back to something like Colonel Christian said, you know, um, that's what Tim Burton, you know, that's what he identified with this and what he, what he, what he identified with in this character. You know, just like Nightmare Before Christmas is all about almost him. You know what I mean? This is almost about him too. And that's why he did this movie. And so he sees himself in that role and he made Makes it he casts a guy who's a little bit quirky and you know isn't what you would think. Yeah, and but I, one of the things I I really enjoyed this movie was I mean there is issues I know what there is one kind uh, major point with the origin that I did not love that mm-hmm. they made basically uh, Napier Joker be the guy that killed Batman's parents that was creative li- uh, licensing that they didn't need to take 
But I think what I remember so fondly about this movie is the Batman, as we've described now, the gothic look of this that no other film has done. Uh, Burton approached this one as his interpretation of Batman was the creature of the night. uh, Nolan's Batman is not that. Like, uh, Nolan's is the urban vigilante. This is the... This is that creature of night. He's fucking almost like a, a vampire in it, if, in a certain respect. Like the way he, he, he's quiet. He's, uh, you know, the way he walks, he kind of, it just, I, I loved all that. And I still think some of that stuff holds up when you watch some of the scenes. Like in the chemical factory, that stuff's awesome with Batman. The, the, the fight scene there. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I, I totally, I, I agree. I think this is one of the better portrayals of Batman, the character. In all the movies, whether the movie itself is the best or not, you know, and whether it holds up, I mean, it still holds up pretty well. You know, my, my boy and I, my youngest boy and I watched it. He loved it. Um, but so we'll, we'll, let's move on. We'll come back to this one. I'm sure once we talk about villains and stuff as well, cause we haven't even touched on Jack Nicholson at all, but let's, let's just move on to the next one. Um, the second Tim Burton film, it, funny enough, only three directors, you know, have directed all six Batman movies. Um, if you realize that, um, so this was, uh, Burton's second Batman film, uh, of these four, Almost one of the worst. Uh, you know, there is, in my opinion, there is a lot of problems uh, with this movie. Um, it's Batman Returns. And let's go to, who did I start with last time? I think, I'm not sure, but let's go to you, Andrew Bloom. What did you think of Batman Returns? Um, you know, this one's kind of one of the more foggy ones for me because it was they, it was a little bit darker than the first one, I guess, the attempt, but it came off a little bit laughable. Danny DeVito's Penguin was... Okay, I guess this is, it, it's, it's not, I, I didn't really enjoy this. And looking back at it, I, I have a, a bad memory of it. And it's one of those things that I should probably sit down and watch again. I'll be honest, I didn't for this podcast, even though I was told I should. Um, it's, it just, I don't remember it as being a great film at all. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about, uh, you, Mike DiGiovanni? Um, this one is a bit of a mess. This, uh, I think this one got a bit away from, uh, Burton's original vision for it. I think the, the penguin is way wrong. I, I, that, that, that to oh, me. Oh, really? The, I think the penguin ruined yeah. the film for me. I think what is memorable about this movie is Catwoman. I thought she was great. I loved Michelle Pfeiffer. I loved the costume. I liked her portrayal. I thought even the stuff, the kind of the banter with her and bats was, really good i just there was too this was that first movie sequel that really too much happened and we got and now pretty much every sequel tens of any superhero series has followed this formula unfortunately there's too much happening in this one uh there's christopher walken is in it as some fucking villain uh devito uh, you know is doing his very strange you know, oil out of the mouth, fucking penguin. You got Catwoman. It's just, Bats is a complete supporting character in this one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely, you know, on the same page uh, uh, as you with this one, DJ. Uh, you know, fucking Max Shrek has way more screen time than I think anybody. Uh, Christopher Walken's character, uh, something CT brings up in his article, uh, and, and Batman is hardly in the movie. And I also agree. I think the only thing you take away from this movie is Catwoman, done perfectly by Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, you know, uh, really starts to set up some pretty strong female characters, actually, or, or I mean, one or two, in my opinion, as I watch rewatch these movies. You know. 
she she did this very well uh you know as she was selena kyle at first and then became catwoman that that progression is very fucking believable um and totally spot on in my opinion so christian you're not of the same uh, mind obviously by some of your huffs and haws i think right well no i mean i mean i mean here here i am i'm going to defend the penguin a little bit i mean basically in the th- kind of the template that friggin tim burton has established of the batman his batman universe where everything's a bit dark and gritty the character of the penguin himself the, the look of him and so on i think fits perfectly in that universe that he's creating but in this movie making him command penguins and actually run for mayor and steal babies was oh probably my. the most <laughs> opposite way to go but the look i find the look of the character fit right into tim burton's fucked up view of freaking uh, gotham and the dark knight and so on and obviously um the Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer was was excellent. She was great. I mean, uh, again, DJ mentions the banter. That was pretty pretty cool. Uh, the other part of that movie, I think they could have wished they'd exploited more, was the Circus of Crime. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I thought you know that's a pretty good point actually of the way to put um, the Penguin because maybe the, maybe that is. That's probably really accurate that that was Burton's idea, and right in Burton's world, that version of the Penguin is spot on. But that really fucks up the movie. Um, and, and you're right, the whole idea, the story is way the fuck. I guess in your point earlier, Mike, the whole convoluted fucking kidnapping the babies and and all that shit it is is horrible to follow. I mean, it's not yeah. a good story at all here in it's, this movie. It's odd though how this this received 79 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I, I would have thought it would have done a lot worse. No, that, I, but, and it made a lot of money. It had the biggest opening weekend in 92. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, one, it was inevitable that that film was going to open huge. It could have been For the sure. worst fi- fucking movie because to, uh, to your point, Bloom, earlier, that first film was like a cultural phenomenon. So anything first week was going to do great. I think people, that 79% is largely based on Catwoman. I think... If that's become iconic, uh, her portrayal of, of Catwoman, uh, some of those scenes of her doing the backflips and meowing and then exploding behind it. I think that's some pretty classic imagery. But I, I will, I'm going to go back to Penguin though, Christian, because you're kind of right though. If you look at the Penguin's design, it almost looks a little bit like where you would see in the video game of like Arkham Asylum now. It's that really, morose fucking i guess tim burtony looking you know uh stop motion animated character it kind of looks like that but i just i didn't like the way he talked as him i hated uh the the story was terrible i didn't like anything about the penguin yeah it just really felt like they shit the bed on the penguin you know it but he just... wasn't he wasn't a very you know likable character to begin with i mean he no, was but... ugly grotesque villain for crying out loud yeah just... but you, yeah but you know what you can make an ugly grotesque villain if, if maybe if the story is intriguing and you well, that's want, exactly you know I mean? that's what i mean though should they shit the bed on the story i think there was nothing wrong with the physical look of the character itself yeah, like if yeah. you had a better story with him, you might have enjoyed it yeah. a bit more. I mean, if it I was... knew I was going to go to Batman Return to see Penguin runs for mayor, then fuck me, I wouldn't wait until it came out on videotape. <laughs> no, we all, yeah, you probably would have. Yeah, but, exactly. The the weird thing is, and Deidre, you uh, mentioned it before, why is it that anytime superhero movies have a sequel, they have to double the villains or triple the villains, depending on the number of movie it is? Like, look, Spider-Man did it. Like, they all seem to just go, it's not enough. This movie probably could have been enough with, like, uh, Catwoman and maybe Christopher Walken. And kind of said, yeah, okay. And, and, not to get, and not to get too ahead of ourselves, it only gets fucking worse. Oh, for sure. And I don't understand that. Like, 
who, where is it? Is there it written somewhere that says, well, it's got to be bigger than the first one. So that means more people. I mean, well, this is where almost that, like, trend started, I think, to your earlier point. DJ, right? This is where they did that. They thought, and I mean, to, to also your point, Mike, I think that first movie was huge. They're, we're talking massive cultural phenomenons here. They had to, they were thinking, we gotta get asses and seats. The only thing we can do is to have two villains. And then, and so, and, and, uh, there's interesting trivia here on IMDb that in fact, they originally had a direct sequel that started like right after, and apparently there was like, it was about the death of the Joker and the Batwing crashing, and, uh, Tim Burton didn't like that idea and was uncomfortable doing a direct sequel, and so they had to rewrite it and kind of make something up after that. And so that's why it's not like as if it was just like the next day or something. Interestingly enough. And, you know, I, to, to try to understand the rationale behind it, it literally is just, uh, bigger is better. So, I mean, the only way that you can top, uh, top yourself is how can we, oh my gosh, Jack Nicholson, you know, he was nominated for a fucking Oscar for the role and oh my gosh, this and this. He, he was so renowned for that, uh, performance. So uh, what do you do? The only way that you can top that is by saying we don't have just one great actor. We have, Three, like that's, so it's, I think that's just, it's almost marketing driving a movie as opposed to creative. Yeah, or common I, sense. I, and, and the, the funny part is, is that they've seen it fail. And when I say they, I'm talking about Hollywood. They, they've seen it fail before. It's failed obviously horribly in Batman and, and perhaps some other movies. And then they try and do it again with Spider-Man and they're going to continue to do that, I fear. And, we're going to be subjected to it because they're constantly trying to one up the last movie. Put it in a better story. Ugh. Wait, I forgot that. Was actually Nicholson nominated for freaking Batman as a Joker? I, yeah, he was. I don't think he won, but I believe he was nominated for for the performance. Yeah. I do believe so I mean, too. I'm, I'm surprised by that from a guy that basically was basically channeling Cesar Romero for Christ's sakes from the TV show. Well, well, I mean, okay. If you want to talk about Jack Nicholson, I mean, I mean, the guy is Jack Nicholson, right? I mean, he's going to go in and do whatever he wants, and he's going to be Jack, <laughs> basically what he did, right? Well, there we go. That, that, why do I complain? I mean, it's Jack Nicholson, right? Well, I mean, but I mean, once they cast him, what did you, who did who did you think he was going to go in there and be Robin Williams and do like some sort of? Well, crazy no, thing? I mean, I'm just saying though. I mean, obviously he was trying to act, but he tried to act like somebody else has already acted. I don't know if that, that's. I think you're saying he that. Looks like it, but you listen to him laugh in this movie. He's friggin' laughing just like Caesar America. Okay, does. laughing is one thing, but you're gonna sit here and tell me that the fucking Nicholson's performance was fucking hackneyed and ripoff. Like that. Uh, well. I'm a little surprised you'd say that. I get if you know if we're gonna have to compare it to Heath Ledger's performance, it looks like a. Uh, a completely different day and age, but it was. I mean, this, Nicholson's performance as the Joker in context is good. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I agree. I think you're being pretty harsh. That's to, being kind of hard. I'm sorry. Well, no, but, I, but I'm sorry. I, was, as, I, I would say, but I, I would say there, there was a blatant inspiration. I'm sorry. I, well, that, I can complain about it, that. Blatant inspiration is one thing, but it's like uh, the way you're just like he's just ripping off Caesar. He's just doing Caesar Romero. I don't know and if it, that's fair. I think it's hard too. Like. How different can you play the Joker? And I mean, Heath Ledger showed everybody there's a pretty different way to play him there. But in, in those days, like you've got here, you have this Tim Burton directing a movie that obviously is going to have a certain flavor and feel to it. And then you've got the old show and, you know, obviously Nicholson saw it. You can't say he didn't see it. 
but you don't, there's only so many ways you can play the Joker. He's crazy. You have to play crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not like, uh, Jack Nicholson could have done Heath Ledger's Joker and Tim Burton would have let him, you know what I mean? So, you know, there, there was, to Mike's point, there was this, it was a time and a place where that Joker, I think, had to be done, and that's why Jack Nicholson was cast. Uh, yeah, he, did, did he take inspiration from Cesar Romero? Probably. He was around in that time period and probably thought that was the only, that was probably the only part he knew of Joker. I don't see Jack Nicholson flipping around throwing any trade paperbacks in his trailer. You know what I mean? Well, maybe he should. <laughs> maybe he should have. The guy's a fucking legend. Uh, and so, you know, one final word on this one just before we move on. You know, this was the only one I didn't feel comfortable with showing my boy, my youngest boy, you know, who's only, you know, four. Um, he's huge into superheroes and so I have to let him watch the stuff. This one was too dark. I, there's no way I could let him see Penguin. He'd be fucking screaming forever. So that's another interesting point I thought as well. Okay, so moving on to the next uh, one up. Uh, this is Joel Schumacher's uh, welcome wagon to the uh, Batman franchise, the first of his two films. Uh, came out in 1995. Stars Val Kilmer as uh, your friendly neighborhood Batman. Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Jim Carrey as the Riddler. And we finally see uh, first appearance of Robin with Chris Cornell and the Bat-Babe, Nicole... <laughs> Chris, Chris O'Donnell. Chris, Chris O'Donnell. Did I say maybe? Chris Cornell? Chris Cornell. From the sound <laughs> Batman fighting crime with his hands. I like reading that and I still can't get the name right, right? Like that's how my mind works. It doesn't even matter if I have notes. Um, right. Okay. So I think DJ, you're up for first thoughts on Batman Forever. Um, this is where things continue to be very bad. Uh, I will say, and I'm going to give it a compliment is this is the better of the two Schumacher films. That might not be saying much, but I, you want to talk about someone doing Cesar Romero, fucking Tommy Lee Jones is doing Cesar Romero more than fucking Nicholson did. I hated his fucking Two-Face. I agree. He was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. I, I thought Val Kilmer, I, I, I didn't love him in this role. I thought, uh, Chris O'Donnell at the time, was okay, but I, as I go back and watch it now, I really didn't enjoy him as Robin. I hated the multiple bat costumes that they started, uh, rocking out in this one. And it really got into some strange, uh, comic, uh, like over the topness that maybe the other films didn't and none of the other Batman films have approached where, and by that I mean Nolan's obviously, but even Burton's. The weird sort of Riddler plotline got kind of strange and the, the mind beams out of everything. I don't know. I, I, this one to me does not hold up well at all. Okay. Uh, over to you, Andrew Bloom. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree a little bit with what DJ's saying. You know what? Tommy Lee Jones is a pretty decent actor. We've seen him in a lot of stuff. He could have played himself and it would have been a much better two-face than than the crap that he tried to to play there if he tried to play a little more straight. But I think the problem is not necessarily with the actors, like we're saying. It's the director, the uh, script, and, of course, the, um, is it Warner Brothers? Because they're pushing this to go the opposite way now of what um, Tim Burton had done. They said, whoa, 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 this is too dark. We want Batman. We want happy. We want colors. And plop, that's what you get, and it's a bloody mess. It's it's terrible. Okay, and Christian Nielsen. Yeah, I agree with Andrew. Essentially, this basically 
Schumacher say to Tim Burton, I'm going to do this movie in the mirror universe of all of your movies, and it just, it's, I, I don't know, it's, these last two, I mean, not to harp on it too much, but I mean, a Two-Face, fucking horrible. Even the Riddler, again, not too, fucking horrible. Nicole Kidman, fucking horrible. It's just... I didn't like. It. I was really, I was really disappointed when I saw this movie that freaking Billy D. Williams wasn't Two Face. You know what I mean? I was hoping for some kind of continuation, and I definitely didn't get that at all. And that was pissed me off. This is the problem with these ones, and once again, this goes back to our Nicholson story. Is what happened in these Batman films, at least these four, and maybe it's across the earlier versions of superhero movies, because we've actually had a bit of a we've had a renaissance now. That's an understatement, but. The, the rule of thumb became for villains was play it completely over the top. And, you know, with someone like the Joker, it, it was okay. I mean, it worked. The Two-Face didn't need to be that way, you know. And then this continued to be uh, to, to show up, uh, you know, in obviously the next Batman film. But even with some of the Spider-Man movies and everything – People thought, hey, I'm in a comic book movie. I'm going to chew the scenery and I'm going to dance and make my face look all wacky. And like uh, Jim Carrey was um, they unleashed Jim Carrey here. And I I, I don't know. I mean, I looking back, I know, you know, Edward Nigma is another is supposed to be a little wacky. And if you think back to the 60s cartoon, he was a bit of uh, he was Joker esque, but it was it's a bit too much. You run into problems when you take people like Jim Carrey or say like a Will Ferrell and say, go do what you want. Go have fun. You end up with crazy, like absolute batshit crazy. Yeah. Okay. So let me weigh in. You know, um, this is the movie I'm most surprised with going back and rewatching. I find this of all the ones, the most least offensive now. Um, uh, you guys are, uh, I don't want to be, you know, totally opposite of you guys, but. Tommy Lee Jones, absolutely horrible Two-Face. Nicole Kidman, why the fuck is she in this movie? But I got to say, I thought Jim Carrey did a pretty good job as the Riddler. And I actually like the story of him uh, getting everyone's mind and figuring out who Batman is and then attacking and blowing up the Batcave. I thought, in fact, for the last three uh, movies that we're talking about, it probably has the best uh, uh, story uh, of them all. And, and, so you, 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 you like the storyline where the Riddler uh, is actually in love with Bruce Wayne and accidentally finds out that he's Batman. Well, I don't give a fuck about whether he's in love with him or not, but he's basically – he has parties and he's, he's sucking everyone's mind, mining everyone's mind for this big thing or whatever, and he, he stumbles across who Batman is. That's actually not bad of a story, and then uses it to then you know destroy the Batcave and, and throw a, a, a swerve at Batman. That is the first time that happened in a movie. I didn't find that so bad. The, no, the, I didn't like it. He definitely was no, sucking well, something. No, and then and then so and you know and and again so and then why again so the reason I mentioned my boy a lot was because again when I sit down and watch this with a kid, this movie's not so bad to watch with a kid. You know, Tommy Lee Jones isn't ultra scary, even though his fast his face is ripped off. Um, you know, Robin's there. They have some. I mean, there's lots of bad with this. They, they, this is when they first bring the nipples into the costumes and they start showing the ass every time they you know the cape flips over the shoulder. Excuse me, which I can't stand either and i think joel schumacher does not understand batman at all however just going back i'm like you know what this movie isn't as bad as i thought it was and jim carrey and the riddler aren't as bad as i thought they were and are pretty passable again this movie now starts to take place better for me than batman returns is i'm like i'd watch this now before i watch batman returns i guess or was what i'm trying to say well you know, i wouldn't uh, i i wouldn't i that, that, if we're going to compare those head to head but 
a lot of people, if you polled people, uh, they thought this was a bit of a return to form. I think audiences maybe uh, would would vote that way. I didn't. I, I, I would. I think there's moments in Batman Returns and Catwoman and visually I would have rather watched Batman Returns than I, I didn't like the look of Gotham in this. I I I found Val Kilmer was kind of sleepwalking a little bit through this as uh, even though he seemed to fit the casting job better, he was sort of like eh, whatever. I that's kind of how I saw his Yeah, he, like he wasn't a he wasn't a bad Bruce Wayne, but he was a deadpan Batman though. Yeah, like, that's that's I mean, kind of Val Kilmer though almost. Right. I mean, like he has that kind of aloof airy quality and I think that's him being Val Kilmer. Agreed. He was a better Bruce Wayne than he was a Batman for sure. He his his lips almost look too pretty in the cowl when you're looking at him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they were he, luscious. No, I mean yeah. supple. <laughs> he's, he's got some supple lips. I'm just so saying. kissable. <laughs> too far. Too far. <laughs> All I'm saying is, uh, and that's why I was really trying to urge everyone to rewatch the movies because I think. This one holds up better than Batman uh, Batman Returns. Because the story is so bad, it's so dark when I'm watching with kids. This one is just, for me, that was a little bit of a, little bit of a shock when I rewatched this, you know, because I hated this movie upon first watching. But the, there was a lot of unnecessary uh, shit in this. We talked about this. Nicole Kidman, there was no point to that. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I, mean, I don't even think they ever really got into his fucking origin. Like, they just... No, they- they did, don't you remember? They showed like near the beginning. The video Batman, Batman yeah, in the court. GNN dot court TV. Oh my god! And, and then there's Batman kind of like barely like digitized, flying to stop the acid being thrown in his face. Oh, I like forgot. That. That's horrible. Yeah, that was horrible. That just, was bad. Yeah, like it, it. You know, you said this earlier, Downs, that Schumacher had no frame of reference for Batman. That was more obvious than Burton, for sure. He he had nothing. He probably accepted the job and was ref- told, he probably was hired someone to say, go out and get me some Batman comics. And he probably flipped it's, through them for color coding. Yeah, it's just, it's really weird to think that somebody, maybe it's the way that directors are, they don't want to be influenced, or, or you know, how we don't want to talk about geek news before we do it. But the <laughs> would you not, if you're getting paid and you're doing a fucking feature film, would you not research the character a bit? Would I think I would be a Batman complete nerd for, like, months. I would read everything I could get my hands on. I would immerse myself in the Batman culture to try and, you know, produce something that was enjoyable for the fans, struck was true to the uh, comic book, and then, you know, hopefully make a good movie at the same time. No, and I, it's, we, who are we to know if maybe they didn't well, uh, do some research? But the problem is did. they did the wrong research. Because as fondly as children, we remembered the Adam West version of Batman. If that is your inspiration for Batman, you, we, we're in for some fucking trouble. Like, what little kid wouldn't love to see Robin steal the Batmobile and fight fucking Dayglow friggin' thugs in an alley for crying out loud? Little kid would love that. Mm. I thought you had more to your point. That was it. That was my horrible point. That horrible stop. scene. Actually, I actually don't think that scene's bad either. I think that's. 
It, it, well, it, it, it's right up what, what Robin would do. He's, you know, he's a troubled no, kid. No, he wouldn't do that. He, he's a troubled kid. His parents just fucking died. He's, he's got some rich pervert who uh, said, come live with me. What are you going to do? You're going to steal whatever you're going to, you're going to lash out and be rebellious. That's exactly what he would do. In this movie, that's what he did. I don't think he, in anywhere else that has happened. Well, that, no, it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen anywhere else. It's a story that we're that they're building there. We're not talking about. I mean, guys, there's no way Joel Schumacher said I'm going to make a movie that's uh, original to the fucking comic books. He said I saw fucking Batman in the '60s as a kid, and I know Tim Burton made some movies, and the studio told me do everything the opposite of that. Here's my fucking movie. You know what I mean? I, I don't like it either. And I, and I thought he was a horrible guy. I hated this director after it. However, going back, I'm like. What else would he have done? The world wasn't ready for Christopher Nolan's Batman. That's for goddamn sure. Neither I, was the studio. I think Robin just would have bent over and taken it because, you know, this guy's rich. Why not <laughs> enjoy it while you're there? It's got money. I don't, I didn't, at the time, I didn't mind Chris O'Donnell, and I don't think he's the worst part of the film, but the Robin stuff is a bit fucking. Hey, I'm Batman. I forgot my costume. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, come on. That's exactly what you you try and pretend to be Batman. Whatever. Yeah, then you wear the costume, dickhead. Don't go wearing your freaking leather jacket and your uh, freaking one earring about, that makes you look tough. He wasn't thinking about that when he when he fucking found the Batmobile. He just got in and took off and thought, holy motherfucker, I'm in the Batmobile. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the third film, Batman and Robin. Probably the most disgraceful appearance of Batman in films ever. Holy nightmare. This movie just has nothing. Uh, hardly any, uh, there's a couple redeeming, uh, 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 things about it, and I'll, I'll do it my version, I guess, because I haven't said mine yet. So this came out, just to reiterate, this was Joel Schumacher's second Batman film, 1997, and it featured George Clooney's one and only performance under the cowl, who actually, of all the Batman, has probably the best look under the cowl. His chin is made like it's supposed to have a fucking half his face and a mask. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a horrible rendition of Mr. Freeze. Chris O'Donnell returns as, uh, you know, the fucking red wing, uh, right-hand man of the Batman. Alicia Silverstone somehow just stumbles into the thing and is all of a sudden crowned Batgirl. And the only probably redeeming quality of this film is Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Um, what, rewatching this movie, again, I thought she did, uh, I thought this at the time, I thought, again, she did a great job. I thought she totally pulled off Poison Ivy and that seductress quite well. Um, however, I thought it made zero sense that Bane all of a sudden just starts hanging out with her. She, they don't even explain that. Bane just is all of a sudden with her and she's talking to him after, you know, she kills, uh, you know, uh, Superman, or uh, sorry, Lex Luthor's dad from Smallville. So, uh, yeah, so this movie is fucking horrible. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hardly even watchable. Uh, interestingly enough, CT says it's probably the best thing to happen to the franchise because that actually killed it and ultimately spawned what we have now with Christopher Nolan's movies. So that's probably, I think, probably the best way to uh, take a look at these, this film anyways. But, uh, Christian, what do you think about this one? Well, I loved it. <laughs> of course you probably fucking did. Um... I remember uh, hearing about the stuff of this movie before it came out when I heard Bane was going to be in it and things like that. And I was like, wow, I, I have hope because Bane's going to be in it because that was a pretty decent storyline in the comic books. Uh, boy, that was not the truth uh, whatsoever. Um, if anything, it, it was a big fucking mess. I mean, the minute the freaking George Clooney as Batman holds up a credit card saying, I'll take care of the damages with his credit card, I knew right then and there, I was just like, I might as well just cry for the rest of this fucking movie. You know, it's fucking <laughs> 
bullshit. Um, if anything, I will defend Mr. Freeze's, uh, Mr. Freeze's character a little bit. If Schwarzenegger didn't speak and maybe his costume had a little less batteries to it, he would actually be not a bad looking Mr. Freeze looking character. You know, they originally were going to have Patrick Stewart. Fuck you. I'm not kidding. Were they? Oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. That would have been actually good because, uh, according to what I've read, they're saying that Schumacher, they kind of rewrote it for Schwarzenegger. Obviously, oh, throwing God. in the one-liners and everything like that, and he just Schumacher decided that Mister Freeze must be big and strong, like he was chiseled out of a glacier. Jeez. You know what? You know what? You're wrong. Yeah. Look up YouTube and type in Mister Freeze, and there's a, a freaking somebody made a video of every cold little joke he's done in that fucking movie, and it's like almost like this, you know, horrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you said that though. When I saw him, when I watched this uh, on the weekend, when he had the goggles on, he actually wasn't, and he ch- didn't open his mouth. You could almost see a passable Mister Freezer. I agree with you there, Christian. But it, it just—it was too much. Again, back to CT. It was too much. Arnold Schwarzenegger, not enough Mister Freeze. Yeah, I used to meet you. It's terrible. You get to see Schwarzenegger bald. That's the only thing I could say that's kind of interesting about it. The the funny thing about this, they're saying because the. the the studio pushed it so fast, so Schumacher's kind of saying, well, we got so much pressure to get this out, and there was such a problem that, you know, that's why it really didn't work out, not because I'm a hack. Like, I just think that there probably was a lot of pressure to get this out and get that same type of toy feel to it and get it out there, but my God, was this terrible. Alicia Silverstone was horrible in this movie. Yeah, and and like, what was her freaking, like, reasoning, like, to become... Batgirl. Oh, I found out a secret. I'm going to fight crime, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, although I, I will say, uh, before we move on, I guess, to DJ, what you think about it, I thought Michael Goh, uh, I guess that's just how you pronounce, you know, who guy who's played Alfred for all these movies, uh, you know, the idea of him getting sick was actually an interesting one. I, I thought that was one of the only interesting story parts that they, they've ever brought was, like, what would actually happen if Alfred got sick? So I, I didn't mind that, as a matter of fact, but then the, it was only a device to get Alicia into the tight, so. Yeah. No, this, I'm going to echo what everyone has said. This is terrible. This is not just the worst of the Batman films. I, In my opinion, this is one of the worst films ever made. I think it is infamous for how bad this fucking movie is. I mean, it is. it doesn't even seem possible with the people that are involved in this picture that the Uma Thurmans, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, forget about who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. He has such clout in this fucking industry that these all of these people would not demand rewrites. George Clooney, granted, he wasn't the big movie star he was at the time, but still, there was so many creative people involved in this, and this is what they produced. And if they're going to blame it on we were rushed, how much time, I mean, how much shit was crammed in this? If you were rushed, you'd think it would be a little sparse. There was so, I mean, come on, the, 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 the ice skating and all of this and them going up, to, they have their fucking, you know, up in a space shuttle at the beginning of the fucking movie and they're flying down to, uh, back to Gotham. I mean, like silver, silver fucking costumes. Like it's, it, it's just a complete, complete disaster. I mean, it's, it, I do agree with that idea that it, we can say, uh, in hindsight that, all right, well, this thing was so bad that it, you know, it, 
killed off this, but I, I'm sorry, guys. That, that's a funny, cute little line to say. It, no one deserved this film. I mean, Nolan's Batman probably would have happened even if we didn't get this piece of shit. This, well, this is one of those movies that you know how a lot of people say the line, I could have done that better myself. This is one of those movies that anyone probably could have. Any self-serving film student that likes Batman could have made something better than this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this shows that for those of us who care about the character, there are hundreds of existing stories you could have put on film easily. And to say that you were hurried and you were rushed, okay, then don't write an original story. You know what I mean? Find something else and adapt it. There was well, still one. Yeah, well, there's there's no reason to put this shit out. It did not need to be done at at all. And 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 to your point, like like it was, it was offensive. You know what I mean? As a Batman fan, you know what I mean. And it's offensive that, as a movie fan. I mean, like let's be not even just as Batman. It yeah. is offensive as a like a Hollywood movie. There, this is. I'm sure if you talked to Arnold Schwarzenegger and all the people in this, that they would have to look back and go. Uh, yeah, this, that was pretty fucking bad. Like, I'm, I'd almost <laughs> I like to see that. a documentary about this film because, you know, Clooney yeah. has gone on, Clooney's gone on, uh, talk show circuits and he mocks it. And his funny line is that he said, you know, the, Joel Schumacher, he pretty much would say to me, my, the only direction I got in that movie was, okay, your parents, uh, were killed in front of you and action. Like that, he goes, that's all <laughs> I was pretty much given. So I, I think there's actually, an interesting documentary that could be made just talking about this mess. Yeah. Schwarzenegger did say he wished this film would be put on ice. <laughs> Go to bed. God. I, oh, come on. It's no worse than anything in the movie. But think about it. If you were given yeah, George no. Clooney, Self-talk. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman, and uh, even Chris O'Donnell. And Jeep Swenson. No, but I just mean, it'd be, it, come on. It can't be that hard. Mr. Freeze could probably be a pretty decent character. I would take Patrick Stewart over Arnold Schwarzenegger. No offense, big guy, but, you know, Patrick Stewart would be a lot better. But it's almost like, Andrew, to your point, it's you kind of go, were they not given a script? Like, with these with these films, do, or do, do they commit before they're actually seeing a script? Because that's what this feels like. It looks a big Batman, big franchise movie, guys. What do you think? Uh, you, you'll get twenty-five to, million. Yes, yeah, I'll do 20, it. Twenty. All right. You, you, it's like they couldn't have read the script. Before yeah, they, they must have been off. walking in every day, going, "What? What do I say? What the fuck is this? Say, just say it, okay? All right." I think the only saving grace, maybe for this movie, is I have to say, is that you see a lot of bat vehicles in this movie. <laughs> right, I mean, you see a bat cycle, you see a bat boat, you see a bat plane. I'm pretty sure, and uh, the Batmobile, obviously. Excellent transition, Christian. So let's talk about the Bat vehicles, uh, you know, because it's something they have done in these movies especially. And even in, I mean, the new movies too, they've, I mean, the Batmobile, they've totally redone. So even including, I guess, we'll, we'll include the Tumblr in this, but what's your favorite Batmobile? Uh, Christian, you, what's your favorite Batmobile of all the movies? Uh, uh, Adam West's Batmobile. That's my favorite. Oh, really? So the two-seater... Uh, yeah, if you're throwing the tumbler in there, I'm going outside the box. I'm going from the, the TV series. Okay. I love that Batmobile. That's fair. All right. Okay, what about you, DJ? 
Well, I mean, I I think I, there's something really special about that uh, Adam West Batmobile, and it's probably what most people equate. I I didn't know we could do that uh, and for this, but uh, I would have to say that or the Tumblr. I mean, uh, if we're actually going to judge the four films we were supposed to be talking about, uh, I would say I liked the Batmobile from the first film. That then I would say that as well. Yeah, I because would stay with that one. That one was probably the one that was given the most character. And, like, it was the really cool part, uh, like, that it was a big integral part. Like, you got to really see that sucker. Like, you were in there with Vicky Vale, you know, the uh, – the I don't know. There was a lot of the driving sequences and what he did with it. I think it, they really showed that one off probably the best before – uh, you know, the Tumblr and obviously not Adam Westcar. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's probably, this isn't a question that has much discussion, but, you know, that, uh, the only model of the Batman I have is from, you know, the 89, uh, Burton's Batman. That, that, that mobile, Batmobile to me is amazing. It's one of my, it's probably one of my all-time favorite Batmobiles, actually. Even more than the Tumblr and the, uh, 60s one. How about you, Andrew? Well, like everyone else is saying, if it was, it would be Batman, uh, the first one. If the Tumblr wasn't involved, uh, I, I don't mind the original Batman one, but I'm not crazy about it. Uh, the Tumblr to me is, I like it the best because it's the most realistic of all of them. Funny enough, like it, it, as outrageous as it is, it seems like something that would be built for military use and, uh, having some experience in that area. And, um, it just seems like something that someone with lots and lots of money would be able to get. Where the other one seems a little outrageous, the jet engine in it and stuff like that, and it's a it's very Batman e. Uh, I like the Tumblr. Yeah, but by the time they got to the fourth one, the thing had a goddamn nuclear engine in it and yeah. fucking gigantic wings on it. And I, like, I, 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 I thought that's one of the things they, they as they got further away from that first movie, they ruined the Batmobile. Like, how did Batman stop crime in Gotham City with that vehicle, for Christ's sakes? I mean, muggers could see him, like, fucking ten blocks away. Oh, hear that? Here comes fucking Batman. Better run. <laughs> yeah, I should stop what I'm doing, and I'll just hide. Yes. Dave. Did you know yeah. that there was going to be a fifth film in that Schumacher mess called Batman Triumphant? No. Did you read about that? They they were working on it, and uh, Warner Brothers, you know, started wanting to work on it immediately, and then... Because it was it was so bad, and this was supposed to have uh, Scarecrow in it. Joker was going to make a, a return as a hallucination in Batman's mind. And what happened is because that uh, Batman and Robin was so so bad that they were going to consider a live action Batman Beyond film uh, or do uh, Frank Miller's Batman Year One, and then they just kind of flaked on them and didn't didn't end up doing it. Well, by hearing that, that actually means that this movie did potentially cause the Christopher Nolan movies to be made. Because had this movie not been made, they would have kept going if the movie was good. I mean, we never never would have seen him behind the helm of these movies. So, well, it's interesting too. It's like uh, that 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 point is valid about it. Kind of it it killed superhero films for a period of time. Not just the Batman films; it almost killed all superhero films. I, I, at that point, I think what happened next was people who actually had a respect for the material and a respect for the genre were started to uh, gravitate towards these projects. The, the, at this time in the eight, uh, in the late eighties and early nineties, a Batman film was not taken extremely serious, and I mean that even by Burton and Schumacher perspectives, it was looked at as 
fantasy over the top crazy comic booky in air quotes where where after it got so bad people started to look and go why don't we mine some of the the stories and i know they've never done a direct lift of something like year 1 but uh you know what uh nolan owes a lot to frank miller that's for sure and you've seen it with other uh with other superhero films rammy is a uh, was obviously a spider-man uh fan uh, you know, Brian Singer got the X-Men, didn't get Superman very well, but got the X-Men. But yeah, that, so th- I think that's what happened here is they, this probably killed all superhero films for a period of time and got them in a better place to say, let's really look at the source material first. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, it was, this is when they started to go, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't just be putting these hired guns on these properties. Maybe we should really find someone who knows what they're doing and that, you know, this was a changing of the guard for comic book movies as a genre. So, you know, we, we only can be thankful, I guess, for the, the way they shit the bed on this one. Okay. Let's talk about villains just overall from the, uh, all the movies. Who would you say, who, who's the best villain of all these four films put together? Is it Jack Nicholson's Joker or Michelle Pfeiffer and Catwoman? DJ? Uh, I, I loved Catwoman. I think the most memorable is, is, is going to be Joker. And I think the only thing that I, I, I would think would edge the Joker out for me is he got the spotlight where it was just the mono a mono, which they didn't, uh, uh really duplicate in any other film, which I kind of wish they would. Uh, Batman's rogue gallery is strong fucking enough that those characters should be able to face off with bats alone and it could make a compelling story. So I think because Nicholson's character was given the amount of screen time and focus that I, I go with the, with the Joker. Yeah. You know, it's a great point because, you know, when, when you look at that, the second movie and stuff, you know, or even the first movie, Jack Nicholson's only in that movie about half as much when you rewatch it because they're, they're setting up Batman and stuff. So, you know, he only he gets half of one movie, whereas then you go to the second movies, they've got a love interest and they've got two villains. So those villains are only maybe getting a third of the movie or even a quarter of the movie if you got Max Shrek in there when you're talking about the second film. So they really started to dilute the amount of screen time that these characters got. To your point, Michelle Pfeiffer is in that movie probably, the second movie. Total screen time would be, I would say, half as much as Jack Nicholson's from the first movie. Gotta be. Uh, yeah. Andrew, uh, so what do you thought of villains? Who, who do you like? Same thing or? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to if like if you took Nicholson out of it and then you said okay now try to pick a a villain that would be tough uh, to try and pick someone from that it would probably be Michelle Pfeiffer like all you y'all are saying but if Nichol Nicholson is in there then it's got to be him okay and Christian same thing from you yeah I mean comparison to all the other villains I mean I most I almost don't really consider uh, Michelle Pfeiffer a villain as much as she's kind of like an antihero I guess kind of but I mean. It, if between her and Nicholson, I would have to go with Nicholson. Yeah. Okay. Well, so since we're talking about Michelle Pfeiffer and the ladies, am I the only one who thought that Uma Thurman did a pretty bang up job of uh, Poison Ivy, Christian? Uh, she did okay. She camped it up with everybody else, but what other choice did she have? You know what I mean? She was not bad. And and in the basically in the cast of characters that she was forced to act with, there is no other way she could have fucking played it, and she played it okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I was watching it again, I was like. In, in this crazy, shitty-ass movie this is, I believe her the most. You know what I mean? I'm like... I would agree with that, yeah. I would say out of, the, of all the villains, of those three and four, she is the best. Yeah, okay. What about you, uh, Bloom? Yeah, I would agree. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. But it's like when they're 
when she's surrounded by shit, I mean, a little chunk of peanut is going to look pretty good. Like, that <laughs> oh, sort of, I mean, that I, but I, I, I think if it was on her own, it's not that great. <laughs> I think she was not that. I just think she was the lesser of all the evils. But in this yeah. case, the greater of them, I guess. Yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me uh, – let's just talk about the directors again for a second. So what we'll probably do is, I guess, you know, revisit this topic when Christopher Nolan does his third film. Um, so, you know, let's talk about just Tim Burton as a director – because there, I don't think there's much to talk, to talk about these Batman movies, so we'll just close out and talking about the directors. But um, and then maybe one more final thought after that. But uh, you know, general thoughts overall as Tim Burton is a director. You know, Mike DiGiovanni, did, did the guy to get it? What was the strong points, weaknesses? What did you think is Tim Burton directing Batman character? Um, we, we talked about this a bit at the beginning, but uh, I, whether an, anyone has got it, uh, Batman is hard because Batman is such a chameleon in terms of. Uh, narrative people can interpret him in so many ways so i think he got the the creature of the night element correct uh i i lo- what i liked about burton was his visual flair i love that uh th- that version of gotham city it's almost my favorite i love the look of bats i kind of like that portrayal in some respects of bats as the the vampire esque i think what he got wrong was the or not wrong. It's just maybe it's just the uh, the choice that he went with is that it, it, it's that kind of kooky outsider role that maybe that that some people didn't like that he kind of went with and maybe that's not the super uh, the Batman that everyone knows. But that's Burton. He does it in every goddamn movie. I mean, even Alice in Wonderland and everything. Like it's always that eccentric character. Uh, as the lead. It's like he places himself as every lead character in the movie, pretty much. Um, but I think as a director, I will always watch anything Burton puts out, and I think he's got a really cool visual style, and it's not like anybody else, so I think that helped with Batman. Sure. Okay. Uh, Christian, anything to add on Tim Burton's uh, time with the uh, Dark Knight? Yeah, I mean, Tim, Tim Burton as a director, I mean, actually, technically, when you think about it, both Directors are, you know, not bad. I mean, Tim Burton obviously better. I mean, we got to remember Joel Schumacher, you know, directed Lost Boys and uh, Phone Booth, and those are not horrible movies. I mean, those are good movies. But as far as Tim Burton goes and his freaking, you know, freaking campy beret wearing um, artsy shit, um, <laughs> he no. But don't get me wrong; like, he's got a hit and miss with me. I mean, for the Batman movies, the look he created for Batman and Batman Returns, I thought was awesome. I thought that was the the best thing he ever did for that uh, franchise was the look he brought to those movies, you know. Okay. That's basically it. All yeah. right, Andrew, same yeah, thing. It's a, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, I give uh, kudos to Burton for being the first one to to take Batman to the darker side, so to speak. And uh, I think he did a great job with the feel and look of the movie. I think if I'm going to pick on anything for him, it's going to be his Bruce Wayne, and that's looking back. I didn't really mind it, but. Looking back now, it was a little, it's just too dry and terrible, and I didn't really like Vicky Vale that much. Yeah, well, we didn't get to rag on Vicky Vale, did we? I meant to do that as well. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys have summed it up pretty well. Uh, what Tim Burton brought to the table was his visual style. No one has got Gotham better than Tim Burton since even including Nolan. Um, his Gotham was the Gotham that I imagined. Also, you know, his his dark version of Batman, you know, I think of Alan Grant doing uh, Batman, and that's a pretty dark version. And um, 
you know, that's definitely up my alley. Uh, Joel Schumacher, you know, I don't know if we need, all need to go around the table. He really, you know, I think what he really did was brought a, a new lightness and, and, you know, that kind of jokey character to campiness to Batman that maybe there was some feeling in Hollywood that that's what it needed. Obviously, those of us who were fans of the comic book knew that it wasn't. Um, but ultimately, I think that's what he'll be remembered for and, and maybe, you know, putting the the franchise to sleep so that uh and, and almost the comic book industry so that we could have great stuff today. Um as I said, you know, there was some stuff I didn't mind in, the, in those other couple movies, but I don't I don't think uh you know there's anything to write home about. Alright, okay. Uh, I want I didn't get around this to of these three Batman actually, uh who was the best? George Clooney, Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton? Uh, Mike, did you better go to you first? The for what they were given and and the movie that they're in, I think Michael Keaton was the most successful. Who I, I do think that Clooney and Kilmer are better casting jobs, but they just had the wrong movies. I really feel, but I think Clooney maybe later in life could have played an older Batman or an older Bruce Wayne and could have done that once he kind of learned his acting chops a bit better, but he was just handed the really raw deal. Yeah, it's funny because he he seems really George Clooney in this. You know I mean, he doesn't really feel like he's acting when he's Bruce Wayne. Uh, it's really hard to not know it's George Clooney, and that always bothers me. And uh, when I watch someone, Christian Nielsen, uh, who do you like of the three? Oh, I mean, as far as the best Batman uh, playing the character of Batman, it has to be Michael Keaton. He was the best in the costume as Batman. As Batman, okay, and Andrew Bloom. Um, I, I agree. I know, DJ, you're a big fan of George Clooney. I am as well. George Clooney would be, if you gave him the, uh, a good enough script, would probably pull off a pretty decent uh, Bruce Wayne and, uh, and an okay Batman. Uh, but you got to tip your hat to Michael Keaton. Uh, when he had the costume on, he was the best. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think going back, it's just it's as much as we might not have liked the Bruce Wayne uh, that Michael Keaton brought to the table. His Batman seemed to be pretty bang on, and almost maybe surprisingly so. That might be part of it too. Is that you don't expect him to be as tough or or as come off as as good in in, in this bat suit as he does. Uh, frankly, you know what I mean. He seems to be pretty fucking half decent. Um, Okay, I guess we'll just uh, go around the table one more time here in terms of any other th- closing thoughts on these four Batman movies uh, or maybe even uh, anything else Batman film-related bef- as we look at... Uh, I wanted to do this closer towards the third movie coming out, but I just couldn't wait. So, uh, Andrew Bloom, what about you? Any uh, other thoughts on the Batman movies? Just give me more of the new ones. Uh, that's all I want. All right, Christian Nielsen? I wish Michael Keaton's Batman costumes were more flexible. Uh, well, it's funny because you bring that up because that's something that, you know, uh, what's his name talked about from the Christopher Nolan movies in the first one to the second one. He said how they had a lot more room to maneuver in the second one, and that was really a big part of how Batman came off looking better in the second film from Nolan's Yeah, but those, those first two Batman movies with Michael Keaton, he was all about the hard right turn. I'm out of here. Rump, you know what I mean? <laughs> what's that over there? Rump, you know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was a kind of body cast from the head up. Uh, Michael DiGiovanni, anything closing thoughts on these four Batman movies? I still don't think we're completely sure where he gets all those wonderful toys. <laughs> Funny. Well, you find out because it's all from Lucy and Fox. We have to wait until Christopher Nolan takes over the director's chair. Um, <laughs> Acme. You know, for my part, I, I just got to say, 
you know, if you haven't watched these movies lately and you got young kids, you know, they're, you know, it's interesting now to be an adult who hated some of these movies and now I'm going back and watching with kids because I definitely crave the Christopher Nolan dark versions. However, you know, I won't, you, you can't show that something like that or even this Batman Returns to, uh, you know, a, uh, four or five or six year olds so it's interesting I wonder really who the audience is for these films at the end of the day if it's us or if it's other people and, and if, if that was reflective of what happened with the Batman franchise probably not because ultimately Christopher Nolan was brought in and, and these have been hugely popular but you never know okay uh, let's move on to our Atomic Picks Christian Nielsen uh, my Atomic Pick this week is uh, a, a, a movie rental, and that movie is uh, the fantastic uh, saga known as Nomeo and Juliet, uh, starring uh, a young Professor X as the role of Nomeo. Uh, I mean, let's face facts. Uh, I have a kid. He likes movies. He wanted to see this one. And Toy Story, this ain't, but uh, not a bad little funny little story about friggin' gnomes and shit like that happening. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> resounding atomic pick there's gnomes in it <laughs> really it's not just a clever title and they fall in love anyway I want to get too much away <laughs> spoiler alert okay uh, over to you Andrew Bloom uh, two things this week for me one uh, we talked about it a, bit, a little bit last week because Dejo said that he saw it and I went out and I was lucky enough to see X-Men First Class and I am going to agree with Mr. DiGiovanni and say that this is a very good film. This is, this, there are some weaker sides of the movie, but, uh, Professor X and, uh, Magneto are awesome. Those characters are awesome. DJ was right. There are a couple little cameos that are juicy. And, uh, the main villain, am I allowed to say that it's Kevin Bacon? Oops. He's really good in it. Um, uh, spoiler alert, Christian. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the other one that I that I have this week is a pan. Uh, I went on to Comixology, and I, as I'm getting used to it, I started flicking around and trying to check out some stuff. And I regretfully paid for a comic book called The Blacksmith. Uh, this is written by uh, Malik Evans, and uh, it's has it's a story about Alex Malloy. He's part of a thousand-year-old brotherhood who makes uh, weapons for the U.S. government. This is pretty much The Fugitive uh, put to comic books, and they didn't do a great job of it. The art is not super awesome. It's quite plain. It looks like it was rushed, and the story was pretty... Ugh. I'm disappointed that I bought the 94-page uh, comic book, and I think about 10 of those pages were dedicated to something else. But it's uh, not super good. Don't read The Blacksmith. <laughs> All right. Michael DiGiovanni. Well, seeing as how we talked about all of the Batman films, it's kind of apropos that I'm going to now speak about all the Superman films, because thanks to our friends once again at Warner Brothers, I got a copy of the brand new Superman anthology uh, Blu-ray, and this includes all five of the uh, Superman films. That's including Superman 1, Superman 2, Superman 3, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and... Superman Returns, uh, uh. Uh, and the, it also has two extended copies, and this is the, there's some new stuff to Superman Returns, including a much uh, sort of discussed return to Krypton scene that has been reinserted into it, as you know, Supes takes off at the beginning and it's gone for Earth, 
Well, you see about a four and a half minute scene of him returning to Krypton. Ooh. But loaded with extras, the, uh, this, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, tons of stuff here. It's got a nice little package too. But, uh, one of the things I must say I'm, I'm a little surprised about is the original Superman. Great movie. But man, is that paced differently for super, uh, for a superhero film nowadays. So funny to go back and watch that again because it's running from the late seventies, early eighties before anybody was doing superhero films. It is a bit plodding. It takes like 45 minutes for uh, Superman, let alone Clark Kent to even show up in this. I think they're on Krypton with fucking Jor-El for like 25 minutes. I mean, if you haven't watched it in a long time ago or in a long time, it might surprise you how long it takes shit to happen but anyways uh this is available now in stores and if you are a superman uh film buff you owe it to yourself uh to get this it's uh all five of the films like i mentioned but you're in essence getting seven films because of the 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 two other edits really really good stuff uh get it in stores now all right, thank you very much. And my atomic pick, just a quick pick, is for Apple computers. Uh, you know, I'm back uh, using a uh, MacBook Pro again. I just got to say, I love it, I love it, I love it. I can't tell you how shitty I find PC computers. Uh, an HP of mine just recently died. Um, you know, Windows is horrible. These things just don't happen with a genuine Apple product. And I'm sorry you want to call me a fanboy all you want. It's just the fucking truth. You pay for quality. You get quality. That's just the way it goes. Okay, so uh, before we uh, sign out of tonight's podcast, we need to do a shout-out for my man Jeff Prime in Toronto, who's a huge Transformers fan. Uh, I have uh, a little birdie told me. Uh, you know, thanks, dude, for giving us an iTunes review. We love the iTunes reviews. Uh, as I've said before, things go crazy at Atomic Geek's headquarters when we see an iTunes review. So thank you very much. If you haven't done one yet and you want to hear your name on a podcast, go ahead and do it. And one of us idiots will say something like I just did for Jeff Prime guy about you. So go do that. Um, I think that's going to do it for episode 118, I think this was. Is that right? That's correct. Of the Atomic Geeks podcast. Uh, you can find us. Oh, uh, before we go on, let's see. Who's hosting next week and do we know what you're going to talk about? Uh, I am hosting, and I know what we are going to talk about. Next week on the Atomic Geeks podcast, the Atomic Geeks are opening a restaurant. Oh, interesting. I look forward to get my short order cook uniform. Um, so that's going to do it for episode 118 of the Atomic Geeks podcast. As always, you can find us in the plethora of social media available to you. We are on the Twitter. We are on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We're on other stuff as well. We have a website. We have forums. We have a store. We have all that shit. RSS, everything. Check it out. If you're listening to the podcast, you probably already know that. It's Mike Downs taking Atomic Geek's mothership into overdrive. Engage main engines. Make it so. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.